0: Recorded live. Hey, what's going on, man? What's up, man? Well, uh, a whole lot's
1: going on.
2: <laughs> CON 5 you? over there?
1: <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. I don't know. I just uh, I got promoted within my first three weeks from graduate assistant to program director of this sports station. So I'm um, <laughs> a little over my head and getting my feet uh, under me, I guess. All
2: right. Anything I can do to help you or?
1: Uh let me think about that and get back to you. I'm sure I can use use your help if uh I come up with something. Especially like the social media and growing social media and uh web stuff.
0: All
2: right. Did you see the believe Lana? I did. Okay. All right. Well, let's go into that second, because I think that might go long, but I think we can keep it short. Um, let's do this Cavs Raptors then. Let me go back bottle the water real quick. Okay. I got a gem for you. Guess who's, the, guess who's the senior advisor to the Raptors? I heard it this morning. I was listening to the TSN station. This is nice. Who's oh, that? Wayne Embry.
1: I know, I That's Wayne. crazy.
2: Yeah. I was stunned. Stunned? They were saying, they were saying he's Part of behind the scenes, has been the architect of the Raptors.
1: That's insane. I had no idea.
2: I didn't did either. We, I didn't did
1: either. Tweeted, you got to tweet Wayne Embry's kids that.
2: <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, that's a very good point. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was, I was stunned when they said, I was going, and they were touting This guy as this great, like great NBA legend. And they forget this is the man that traded Kareem abdul Jabbar.
0: I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs>
2: That's crazy, but we don't need to get down that road. I just heard that. I mean, I, I don't even know how to even use that. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, right. I know, it, but if you get to talking about that. We talk about Ron Harper. I mean, you just
1: get angry. Yeah, you know I
0: mean?
1: <laughs> Right. I, I, I did get angry the other day. I was talking about Danny Perry when we were talking about our most disappointing players growing up. You know, he was supposed to be, the next Larry Bird, and he turned out to be just a really good player for 16 years and won the six-man award, but he traded Ron Harper for the guy that you thought was going to be the missing piece.
2: He could shoot, but that's all he could do. Like, that's the thing. Like, Craig Elo was right. talking, uh, promoting Believe Land. he said, it used to be him and Ferry versus Steve Kerr and Mark Price, and, like, they were the shooting contests. And Kerr and Price must have wiped the floor with them. I mean Kilo said they won more than they you know. What I mean lost. I mean I'm like, Sure they did. Sure they did, Craig. And you know what he did say that I have forgot? Remember that one year, think about this all NBA team. It was Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, Michael Jordan, Ewing, who was the point guard. Price? Yes.
1: How about I that? have forgotten. I have forgot Yeah, he did get one one year where he got recognized. and I remember he was, the, all-star, he was all star. Very happy. That was that year yeah. he won
2: the three point contest. Yeah, it was every. He was everything mm-hmm.
1: that year. I do remember that year because I remember being uh, thinking that there's no way they're going to let him. They're going to give it to him, and then they did. I was like, yeah, finally yeah. recognition.
2: Like <laughs> right, people forget that. So yeah, no. all right. Let's <laughs> get into this. All right. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Cavs versus Raptors preview. Show 89 D, Cleveland born and raised, buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake,
1: and I'm Jake from Youngstown to CBUS, and we are talking Eastern Conference
2: Finals. Uh Jake, I don't know if there's been a longer layoff since Rip Van Winkle took a nap, but the Eastern Conference Finals are upon us finally. Uh the Raptors did left nothing left, left in the tank. Uh, Dispatch the Miami Heat. extinguished that flame in Game 7 very easily. And they now go on to face the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, in this podcast, we're going to look at the matchups. We're going to talk about some of the X factors. Um, and then, give, of course, give you our predictions. I mean, this is not going to be a long one. So uh, don't put the popcorn in because uh, the podcast won't last that long. So I think we're both in agreement <laughs> on how this one's going to end. But Jay, let's look at
1: these matchups
2: here with the Cavs versus Raptors, anything that jumps off at you, if we're talking Lowry versus Irving, or uh, Carroll versus James, um, even DeRozan versus J.R. Smith, is there anything that you see that where the Cavs are deficient when we look at the Toronto Raptors? Well, I
1: think you got to start
2: with Kyle Lowry versus Kyrie Irving. We saw what that looked
1: like during the regular season, and it wasn't pretty, but we also got to consider that, based on what we've seen in the playoffs, I think the Cavs were using the regular season as very much that just a primer to get ready for the postseason. Uh, what we've seen so far out of this Cavaliers team, I, I don't know if you can really look back at the matchups uh, during the regular season to get a good barometer of what it's going to look like in the playoffs. So I almost throw that matchup out until I see it a couple of times in the playoffs. But one that I do have slight concern about is that the Carroll, LeBron James matchup. Uh, Cause we did see that one in the playoffs. We saw it in against the Hawks last year. And despite the Cavs winning and winning easily, uh, Carroll did give LeBron some fits at times. Uh, he's a very good defender. We'll see how healthy he is, though.
0: Yeah, he
2: left that game. It was a crazy. It was crazy how people were going down in that series between the Heat and the Raptors. Him and all day left that game with wrist injuries. Um, and I mean, Demar Carroll. I mean, he's staring down the barrel of a gun. That's King James now with Kyle Lowry's comments saying, besides Steph Curry, he might be one of the best, or he's one of the best players. You know. In the world, so uh, I, I think I, James I think will the, be motivated.
1: The quote I think the quote was probably one of the best.
2: You're yeah, correct. I, I, probably, I stand corrected. Yeah, he's I stand corrected. Wrong. You yeah. are probably right, no, you're 100% <laughs> right now. You're 100 percent right. <laughs> I, I think the big the big matchup, and it's basically there without uh, uh, Valachunas, who the Cavs had the ability to derive a long time ago, um, who turned out to be a great player. Without him in the middle, they only have Biombo and Patrick Peterson. Uh, They have not used Luis Scola a lot in the playoffs because of the matchups against Indiana and Miami. Both those teams played a little smaller. And Scola is 36 years old. I mean, we know he has the skill, but the game has just been too fast for him. So we haven't seen a lot of that. So, I mean, I think Tristan, you know, is playing against his hometown team. I mean, he'll be playing a couple games in Toronto. Uh, Kevin Love, LeBron James, you know, like Channing Frye these guys will be hitting the boards hard. And I'll tell you something that I saw in the series that the Cavs have played well is Kyrie and J.R. Smith have also been, you know, rebounding the ball well from their guard spot. So I, I really like the way that the Cavs, they, we know they out-rebounded, you know, Atlanta that last game, something crazy, 55 to 38. Um, I think that's a big key is that rebounding, you know, matchup that we look at. Yeah,
1: and I think the one that we maybe kind of glossed over that's, going to be a big deal is the fact that Toronto's played 14 playoff games are eight. Those six games are that's a big deal when you're talking about such a small uh, schedule wise. Uh, I I just they had to go through a lot of not only the physical end of it but the mental end of it trying to get through those series. It's got to take a lot out of you and uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to go up against the Cavaliers and hope to upset the number one seed in the East if you're not at full capacity.
2: Yeah, they had three overtimes in that in that uh, in those, those matchups against Indiana and Miami. The other thing Great I think point. about is um, the volume of shots that both Lowry and and DeRozan have had to do. I mean, even in that Game Seven, I mean, Kyle Lowry had you know thirty-five points on twenty shots, but that was the first time that he was you know incredibly efficient. I mean, DeRozan in that game had twenty-nine shots to get twenty-eight points. I mean, they, they've there have been volume shooting, and the other and and, and contrast on the defensive end they haven't seen a 3 point shooting team like the Cavs. And I think that goes leads us into the matchup of coaches. Um, Dwayne Casey, we know, was the defensive guru for Dallas Mavericks when they beat uh, the LeBron-led Heat for their first, uh, their first finals appearance when LeBron was down there in Miami. So that's how Dallas got that championship. But I don't think that they can defend a team like the Cavs. I mean, they just haven't seen it. Miami wasn't that kind of team, and neither was uh, the Pacers. So, have, we've seen Ty Lou take something away from each of the teams in each round leading up to this Eastern Conference Finals. I think Lou might have the edge here against Dwayne Casey, even though he's a more veteran uh, coach. Yeah, a
1: couple great points there. Uh, I was just talking uh, maybe a week ago that Toronto's backboard might be the most overrated backboard in the NBA. Uh, they had pretty good numbers in the regular season, but when we got to the playoffs, uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan's uh, field goal percentage, free throw percentage, three-point percentage, all went down like 50%. I'm mean, talking about 13% from three-point range. So uh, th- it's definitely going to be on them, and I hope they didn't just snap out of a shooting slump and it was more of a, uh, maybe the pressure getting to them a little bit more than it was just tough shooting nights. Uh, as far as the Tyron Lue-Dwayne Casey matchup, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see any reason why Ty Lue wouldn't be uh, have the advantage here. The thing that's impressed me the most about Ty Lue is his ability to to uh, make in-game adjustments as well as uh, post-game adjustments. He, he's been able to find the right matchups, uh, not only for the Cavaliers, but the ones that will also bother the other team. Uh, so i got to give him a lot of credit. I didn't think he was going to be this good, and it turns out that he's been just what the Cavs need so far
2: and you talk about the, the shooting by the Raptors, you, you see them at some times on the offensive end fail to just be able to execute. You see a lot of ISO ball or them just, like, getting late in the shot clock. I mean, even with Corey Josephson's out there with Kyle Lowry and the Rosen, you think you got two point guards and another shooting guard that they'd be able to move the ball a little more effectively, and they just do not. So if that Raptors team shows up, they will struggle against the Cavs. And I know let's get to what your, your – I know one of your big things is defense. Cavs got to flip a switch on defense and take it up a notch and just not, you know, as we've heard every network talk about and every outlet, uh, just do it in the fourth quarter. I mean, they're going to turn it on now to be ready for the finals. Um, This is the proving ground.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I think we saw in the first couple rounds the Cavs almost like a cat playing with a dead bird, uh, so to speak. You know, at times it was interesting, but at other times uh, it – it wasn't productive <laughs>
2: Let's put it
1: that way. Uh, so, yeah, they definitely need to uh, give more of a consistent effort uh, on both sides of the ball. And if they get up by 20, they they got to continue to find a way to play and, and not get complacent and, and relax on that 20-point lead. The nice thing about Toronto is, as we talked about, I don't know if they had the shooters to come back from a 20-point lead. And uh, if you could take away one of those guys, either DeRozan or Lowry, I'm not really that scared of anybody else on that
0: team.
2: Well, there's one guy that I think is an X factor for them, um, and it's another guy who has been wildly inconsistent and never has reached his full potential, which is Terrence Ross. The guy that I have seen play well in the end of the season and even in the playoffs against Boston – not Boston – against uh, Indiana and Miami was uh, the Norman Powell kid, the UCLA Bruins product. Um, he's been instant offense for them, and has been great on defense as well. So I think you're going to see him get some big minutes. Um, but like you said, uh, beyond that, I mean, I'm only naming two guys. They they can't go deep in that bench and find that uh, find that offensive firepower. So yeah, if they don't get it from you know their two all stars and DeRozan and Lowry, it, it is a long night for them. One interesting fact that we mentioned uh, that uh, one interesting fact I wanted to mention. The the Cavalier, uh, Cavaliers. The Raptors have a former Cavalier uh have a former Cavaliers exec now with their organization. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Wayne Embry is senior advisor to the Toronto Raptors. I just found that was a very interesting little fact of doing some doing some uh research behind enemy lines in the great uh country up
0: north.
1: Yeah, shout out to at with at Wayne Embry's kids. Uh, that's, it's an interesting fact I didn't know about, and I don't know how long he's been there, but, uh, I mean, if he's in place as a consultant going forward, they got a good guy there that uh, knows a whole hell of a lot about basketball. All
2: right, let's get to the predictions. Um, what's your – what will be the outcome of the Eastern Conference Finals?
1: I, I do think that Toronto gets one. I'm going to say Cavs and five. Uh oh. I don't yeah I, I think they're going to get one up north they'll be able to rally we'll have a cold shooting night
2: I mean on top the, are you sitting on top of the c n Tower? the views from the six hanging out with Jersey or what, what's going on
1: i <laughs> i I think they'll get one i what can I say? It is the Eastern Conference finals for us to go fo 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 would not uh there's only been one team to do that
2: well, I mean Moses Malone is somewhere pouring up the pouring out the champagne in his driveway um. I'll, I'll tell you like this. I, I I think they'd sweep them. I think the Cavs will find a way to get focused. We're going to see early Tuesday night, and I'm really keyed up for this game. Um, and I think the Cavs, will, they, they'll find a way to get motivated. And you talked about the uh, possible, you know, mental wear and tear that those series that they've played, all the games they've played already. This is a very fragile psyche that the Toronto Raptors have. I mean, you know, they're they're just happy to be. almost reminds me – And you love the comparison, so here's one for you when I was thinking about this, of the Cavs in the 2007 series against the Spurs. We knew that Spurs team was amazing. Um, We knew we had LeBron James, but it was a lot other. I mean, we're talking about Daniel on that roster and stuff like that. It was one of those things, you're happy to be there and go through that process, but can you really, you know, it would take a miracle for it to win, you know. So um, I, I really think the Cavs will sweep them because they want to take care of business and just be to really get ratcheted up for the finals.
1: There is there is one common thread between that team and this team besides LeBron James, and that would be Eamon Owens. Yeah. Eamon Eamon owns. No D, no J. Don't forget yeah. that.
2: And, and and no and no clear no clear specific title as he is has with the Cavs besides collecting a check. So we know he collects a check. And nobody's job is he's like Tommy from Martin. So uh, but. Hey. <laughs> Um, I I will say this, I'm very excited for the series, Um, and and I think, you know, it'll be some energy, it'll be a lot of energy, not only in the land, but also when we go to the
0: north to play in Toronto. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, that
2: is the podcast for the Cavs versus Raptors. I mean, Jake says five, I say four. Uh, Let's just hope we get this thing done. And I think we both agree that the Cavs, we just want them to get the win and get healthy, uh, get through the series very healthy. And we'll be
1: breaking it all down this Tuesday and Thursday from 2 to 4 at uh, With an Ohio Bias Live. That's on scoreonair.com. You can get us through the TuneIn app. Just search Score On Air and start listening live. Tuesday and Thursday, 2 to 4, with an Ohio Bias Live, we'll be talking all about the Cavs and Raptors.
0: And
2: one last thing, Jake, you know, I wish I would have been in Toronto when they got the franchise because if somebody, if I would have been in that meeting when they were discussing mascots, uh, I don't understand why nobody had, a, like, you know, a uh, honest objection to the Raptor mascot, you know, the whole dinosaur thing. I mean, my whole thing is we know how this movie ends, you know. But, but he's
1: not even a Raptor. He's like Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> so it well, it the, the problem
2: is it goes extinct. So how long are you going to keep that franchise? And we know it's going extinct in this NBA playoff series. So, as always, go Cavs, all in 216, three last. This is with an Ohio Bias, a podcast for real fast, with D and J. That was a line I that. was very proud of myself. Yeah. Nice. The whole you draft go. part thing. And everything. Yes, that
1: was good. <laughs> I was going to say the cats of the comet, or the asteroid. (laughs) (laughs) The cats of the asteroid. I was going to throw in
2: the uh, uh, mesoseic, I don't know, paleontology. I I was going to try throw in the (laughs) air, but I was like, don't don't get caught up in the science. Um, (laughs) This is With an Ohio Pius, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Show 90. We're talking Believe Land, the 30 for 30 documentary. IMD, Cleveland Border Rays. Good Morning Bread.
1: And I'm Jake from Youngstown, to CBUS,
2: and we are talking pain. This show, this, this show, this podcast, ladies and gentlemen, is just our honest review of the 30 for 30 documentary. It's not a long podcast, so uh, don't, don't get comfortable and get your feet up on the couch. You might have to uh, get another podcast loaded up to listen to because, uh, Jake, your feelings on the 30-for-30 30 30, Believe Land. I mean, I know it was great to see the Browns, Indians, and uh, Cavs highlights, but a lot of low lights and a lot of uh, a lot of dark times that were brought up. Uh, just the one honest reaction I had to it, uh, it brought a lot of pain back that I had blocked out some of the good times. So it was good to see some of those highlights again, um, but I had blocked them out just thinking about all the pain that you suffered when the losses came. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. Uh, When I first watched it,
1: I went into it with an open mind. I kind of knew what was going to (laughs) happen. But uh, it it just was so brutal to watch as a Cleveland fan and having to, in one documentary-style short film, have to watch every mishap, every heartbreak that has ever happened to me as a professional sports fan and do it within two hours. Uh, you know, you always get to the, the ESPN Classic where they have the 86 championship game on or the NFL Classic film, or you happen to see on MLB Network the Game 7 with Jose made. But I've never seen it all together that succinctly with the Browns moving and the the emotions that it brought back and the, the feelings that it brought back. There were some great times leading up to some of these collapses. But just to have it put out there the way it was it was brutal to be honest with you uh, the only thing no. that really saved it, it was the yeah. the other thing that really saved it was that the overall theme that you know what we've been through a lot and we're going to be here after this and we're going to be at, here after every tragedy and we'll be here when we win a championship
2: absolutely and i think the biggest thing uh, as well was just um the, the energy of the people, like the way you saw it. that it, that You know, and I'm not trying to take shots at anybody else's fan base, but sometimes I watch these celebrations of other teams and, so, and their championships and whatnot, and I'm like, man, it would be so much better if it was in Cleveland. They showed the parade after that 95 um, Indians loss in the World Series, and people were celebrating like it still was a championship. I remember we got out of school to go to that parade, and I just remember everybody was just so – Okay, like, they, even though we had lost, it still felt you just – everybody was still together. And that, you know, especially the way that America is right now, I'm not going to go into a whole political commentary, but I'm going to tell you, like, the one thing that I noticed, too, it was just in a lot of B-roll that they had. It wasn't even the moments on the field and whatnot. They were showing just going through Cleveland, like, you know, the signs that were up on all the businesses and whatnot for the Browns and things like that. That's what I remember. And I remember the energy that the city had and how, like, that's what, like, that's what made Cleveland such a great place to grow up in and, like, to be, like, a Browns fan or, like, to be, like, in that, you know, dog pound and everybody that had that energy when you went to the games and stuff because it didn't matter if they won or lose. Everybody was together, you know. And, that, and, I mean, that's what LeBron and them tried to capture the Nike commercial, but that's the way it really was back in the day. Now it's a little more corporate and, you know, it's all that kind of stuff has spaced us out. But back in the day you got to be able to, uh, and this is the Lawhead line, uh, Jason Lawhead, our buddy. But we were so close that you actually did get to touch the heroes, and you saw that in a lot of the footage and whatnot. And, I mean, let's get to it. The best part of it, I think, was Ernest Biner, And I'm going to tell you like this, man. I I don't think that guy needed to apologize for anything. Because the one thing that it reminded me of, and that's why I say you kind of blocked out some of the good with the pain, I forgot how incredible that comeback was. And it just, it, when I started seeing it again, I was like, God damn, that guy had played a hell of a game up to that point. Like, that's the thing that sucked in all of it. The guy had played his heart out. Bernie was amazing, and those guys were playing for the team we rooted for. And that, it, it, it sucks that we didn't win the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff, but that was enough after you got over the anger and the pain when you got later that summer in that off season, you know, it was enough to those guys, we knew they had played their hearts out for us. And that was the whole thing every, every week, you know, those guys were playing their hearts out. They weren't just doing this for whatever other selfish reasons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ernest Beiner owes no one an apology. It, it, he, like you said, I mean, he was a true warrior that day and, you know, it happened. And I, I don't want to be the Boston Red Sox, uh, a team that, or a, a fan base that just brutalized Bill Buckner for so long. You know, he, he we win together, we lose together. And it wasn't something that he was trying to do. Uh, it was out of seeing the end zone and wanting to get there. So yeah, I mean, all these things come with their letdown. Uh, but what you said about the community, uh, it, it's, it's what sports about and it's why we love sports and especially our Cleveland sports and our Ohio State sports is everybody's rooting for them it's one of us and it doesn't matter what color you are what political affiliation you have or anything else that divides us these days it, it, it's what brings us together
2: and that's I think the best thing about sports and rooting for our teams and we're going to get to the worst part of it but the other thing I think that hurt helped like People didn't deal with the Ernest Beiner thing for a long time because then they had the biggest tragedy, a bigger tragedy, a real tragedy, was when the Browns were taken away from us by Modell. And I'm going to tell you like this I'm trying not to be profane, so I, I'm going to do my best. But this guy, to sit up there and say what he said on that video and then smirk like that, I, I don't know if you saw the tweet. Maybe. I put it out on my personal account just because I, I wanted to hug Ernest Meiner and smack the shit
1: out of David Modell. David and art I mean half the reason art didn't have any money is because his son was lighting five hundred dollars cigarettes or cigars with
2: without a hundred dollar bill i thought i yeah. thought they were sitting in the stadium and he was smoking a cigar, and that's all I started thinking about It was just, this motherfucker was smoking let me calm down this guy was yeah. smoking a cigar this guy was smoking a cigar, and they showed that one clip, and that's all I thought about was that that whole that what you just talked about and I remember that being a kid like this guy yeah. is really. Art, Art had a sweetheart deal with that stadium. He owned all the parking.
1: He owned all the concessions. You know, if he, and this city would have played ball with him about a renovation if he would have just given them a little time. And Art was pissed off, and he didn't like the fact that the Indians got the attention and that he, that he lost the tenant in, in the meantime as well, and that he was treated like a second-class citizen. Boo-hoo. You know, go out there and advocate for yourself and get it done.
2: You can't yeah, do that. that he is team. No, you made the you make the point right there. You know the thing is, he was the big fish in a small pond for a long time, where everybody you know had their hand out to him, and he could pick and choose on how he you know dealt out his money. And I'm not saying that the guy didn't do a lot for Cleveland; he spread the money around and whatnot. But my thing is, when the tide turned and the city actually was becoming bigger, going to the direction of where it was getting right now, he he saw that he would not have the influence that he would have the other uh, that he had. He saw that he would not have the influence that he had, and that's what pissed him off, I think, more than anything. And even the way that they did it, they, they stated it, and that's the thing that was so disgusting. There was one point I thought they should have made in the, in, the, in the film as well, but it was so disgusting that they literally said that, yeah, the NFL didn't even know about this until, you know, he had already had a handshake yeah. deal with, you know, the Maryland authority. And my point is, too, that they should have made the point of how Cleveland fought to keep the actual Browns Name and colors, yep. because that was the thing they were trying to take the to Baltimore to, and that's when people just were—I mean, they were besides themselves. I mean, literally besides themselves. So, um, and not to hash up all that anger stuff like that. We've talked about it on here before. Um, I didn't—I'll I, tell you like this. I, I didn't care for the Scott Rabb thing with his son. I know what they were trying to do, but it came off a little uh, disingenuous. I mean, disingenuous, uh, just because. I mean, the guy lives in New Jersey. A lot of people pointed that out right whatnot. I mean, he's a great writer and whatnot, but to have this guy in front of the camera trying to narrate the whole thing didn't really work for me, but that's just quibbling, you know. Um, but he, it, 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 it was a lot
1: better than the talking heads that they had uh, commenting every other shot, whether it was Brian Winters or Tony Grossi or well, we, uh, we, any other person that we pretty much <laughs> look at as a problem in this city and not a guy with a
2: solution. Yeah, and we've heard their takes a thousand times over. Um, I don't know who that one guy with the beard was who was speaking on behalf of Believe Land or whatever the hell his title was, but that guy was awful. Talking about he knew what the, the Cleveland fans were this and that. I just I don't I didn't I didn't even think the time I think to that look was the guy's director. name. I think it was the director or the writer yeah, of who, the documentary, that was that, he's, awful. <laughs> he's, awful. he's awful? He's not a Clevelander. I don't care where he was born. That guy doesn't know what it means to be a, a fan of Cleveland sports because the stuff he was saying just doesn't even doesn't even equate with logic if you are a real fan. So, um, and how, how can you
1: how can you talk about the '80s Browns and not have Bernie Kozar
2: on the documentary? Well, clearly, they, I mean, the, the project went through. They had a different director. Um, The guy who ended up, or producer, excuse me, they had two different producers to this. The guy who finally finished the project, Andy Billman, was a cleaner who works for ESPN, who saw the project, you know, go into dark light. So I think that's why we see, I think the project was half finished, because it's literally like they tell the story of all the agonies and whatnot, and then they just leave us hanging on the hook like, yeah, maybe something good will happen one day. Which there's good things happening right now. <laughs> I mean, right. where, where was the where was the chapter of LeBron coming back and his speech, you know, at Inflation Stadium? Why wouldn't you end on that piece? Like, why would you know what I mean? Like, there was so many. You could have had a more uplifting ending to the to the whole thing and showing how downtown. If you could, I mean, listen. Let me tell you something. Like, downtown Cleveland still got a long way to go. But I, I'm going to tell you, like, this, if you give me a camera crew and in two hours, I can make downtown Cleveland look like a young Vegas, okay? So I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand, like, where was that part yeah. of that? So um, I think that definitely did leave a bad, and I heard some people that just didn't flat out like it, and I can understand why. Um, to me, I think it gives people who always ask stupid questions, like, why are you a Browns fan or why are you a Cleveland fan? i like it to me, it gives them a little bit of a window into it, um, but nobody'll yeah. ever understand, nobody else it's, get it, so I really don't worry about it
1: see that was one of the things I didn't like you know I, I almost feel like it's a badge of honor to know our history and to know what we've gone through and i I don't want the other outsiders around the country to know every detail of it without having to go look it up themselves. You know it's part of, it's our pain, you know, and now we shared that pain with the rest of the country. For everybody to see. And I, I just didn't like that feeling.
2: Yeah, but see, there's so much more that we do. See, one of the things we talked about, like, nobody knows that Mark Price was on an all NBA team with, like, Jordan, Barkley, Carl Malone. And, and I mean, like, people don't know that stuff. That's not in there. Like, there's still so much that we have that we can still, that's still ours, that we hold on to and we can hold. Dear. Yeah. So, I I mean, you know ESPN, and I, even the way it was done, like you talked about it, they promote media personalities, and they, they that's what they want to do, and that's kind of like the way that was done. It wasn't. It was, that's what I even hate the line that they were promoting it with, the tagline, finally a, a movie about us. That's not about us. That wasn't for fans. It wasn't really for the full no. fan experience. It was one piece in there that really was for the fans, and that was because, and I've heard Ernest Meyer talking, promoting the movie and whatnot, he said he didn't really go into it to give an apology. And, you know, we both said it. The guy didn't really need to. But I think that was the most cathartic thing of it all. Plus, this guy has seen an outpour of support for him like he hasn't seen. And uh, I think that was – if that's the thing that comes out of it, I think that's pretty positive. And I think that's pretty cool.
1: And we got to leave it there.
2: So, uh, as always, uh, go Browns, go Cavs, roll Tribe. Uh, Believe, man. um yeah, I, I'm not going to have it on heavy rotation at my house. I probably watched it once and probably won't need to watch it again. So <laughs> We don't need to watch it ever again. We lived it. Exactly. So, uh, Jake, what will you guys be covering on the WAOB Live, the Within Ohio Bias Live podcast? Well, we'll be touching on this for sure.
1: Uh, also, of course, the Cavs in the playoffs here, Eastern Conference Finals, Toronto Raptors. It's go time. What's it going to take to take out the Raptors? And would you rather see the Dubs or would you rather see OKC? So We'll discuss a lot of that and more uh, Tuesday and Thursday, 2 to 4, scoreonair.com. Download the TuneIn app, which you might already have on your phone, and just search Score On Air and you'll find us.
2: Yeah, one of our taglines is, you know, you're kind of with sports through an Ohio lens. And I'm going to tell you like this, that Believe Land was a corporate bastardization of a product that is not the definition of what Believe Land is. So this is with an Ohio bias, a podcast with real fans. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast with real fans with D and J.
0: Ooh. All right, man. Those are pretty short,
2: so I should be able to get them up tonight here at some point. So even if I wake up early in the morning, so. Okay, cool, man.
1: Right, thanks. That was uh that worked out good.
2: Yeah, no, thanks for the time. Man. I know it's crazy now, so
1: Yeah, no, no problem. And I'll, I'll shoot you an email and get some ideas off you here as soon as uh I get my feet grounded. Today was the first day on the job.
2: All right, man. Well hey man, hey, listen man, you're you're still going in the right direction, so Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, even if, it's, even if it's a lot of heavy lifting,
1: you're still going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a lot more heavy lifting, but we'll take
2: it. <laughs> All right, man. Good luck. Thanks, brother.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?